gentlemen, this is it. This is the end of the line. And this is the part where Daniel Arusa goes, yeah, you're telling me. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is more than likely our final episode of Inspire AD, but hopefully this will not be the last time you hear from us. Um, I, I think this has definitely uh, opened and shed a light on that, you know, this type of medium, you know, like I used to do the AMAs, right? Yeah. I'd jump on the, the Facebook page or whatever last second. Um, but I think it's a good way to, to communicate with people. Um, and I think people are so busy now and, and they always have their phone with them that a medium like this is, is a lot more easily accessible than it used to be. Yeah. So I, I personally hope that this is a big part of what we do it's, going it, forward. I would love to come back and do uh, episodes uh, surrounding the events that we hopefully pull off in the future. But I don't think it will be on a weekly basis. Though I've, I've spoken with certain people recently about working on different uh, program types. Um, I recently talked with... Uh, Dan the man about a variety of topics and we realized there was there was a lot of stuff that we still uh, had to scratch the surface on I, th I think at some point uh, Dan and I will probably sit down and talk about the worst wrestlers that are currently in Texas because boy <laughs> howdy there's still a lot of them they need to be called out um, but yeah I'm I, you know I've, I've really enjoyed this time sitting down with you regularly um, I know I think it's been healthy for us because I think um, with a lot of people uh, in, in at this particular time in history, they've really withdrawn, uh, and this has kind of forced me to keep moving and keep talking and keeping us meeting regularly. You know, yeah. in spite of the fact that there's not much we can do in terms of shows. I mean, granted, we could be running like a bunch of other Jay Brones are all over the state, but personally, I don't I don't feel safe doing that. We, I've uh, over the last year and a half I've lost too many people close to me I've seen families destroyed uh, and I don't want to make this too heavy but um, I I care ultimately I care about all the people that used to come to our shows and I care about all the people that made my dreams and my visions uh, a reality and, and, and executed them so perfectly I care about the people in the locker room I just I care about people and so I, I don't see myself running until things running traditionally until yeah. things uh, feel a little bit I, better i hope there there is a moment when we're all together in the building again and it, what would i really want and from day one what i want is that when that moment happens and that uh that music that we play before the show hits and you walk in that building that that's the moment when you know okay it's back we're back you know yeah like Things are back. I still have ambition of doing something that is radically different than anything anybody has seen. I feel like we've always done really good at, uh, you know, people always say the dumbest shit to me. They say like, oh, all storylines have been done. Well, I think we've actually done some storylines that no one's ever seen. I remember being really proud of MJF uh, when he first came into our company, commenting on some of the storylines that were evolving and also how we treated our titles. And he said continually, oh, I've never seen this done like this before. And I hope that um, with what I'm trying to cook up now, we come in and people go, huh, I've never seen it qu done quite like that. So that's that's where I'm at on that. Um, yeah, man. Uh, uh, you know, other than that, uh, 
we just have to have to keep hope alive. <laughs> um, so anyway, when when last we were talking, uh, we were covering the final ecstasy of gold at the Blue Genie, the last event that we uh, we ran. Um, I don't think at that point. I think I think what's really ironic about that show is that we may have reached a point in time where. I don't think either of us had any intention of folding up shop. That had not really entered my mind. Bro, this like this was a huge financial success. Yeah. Um this was, you know, this was a great show. <laughs> we were we were re- it was like it was ready to go to the next level. I also like, felt like we had we had slain some dragons simply by being <clears throat> not aggressive but just pushing onward in terms of our identity and doing what we do best. We had withstood the ACWs. We had withstood AAW. We had withstood GCW. We had, we had seen wrestle circus come and go. And here we were still fucking standing. And there were times where we wanted to just like hightail it out of there or just quit. Or we didn't feel like we didn't feel loved or we didn't feel appreciated. And this was a, a situation where we had reached, I felt like, a pretty good-feeling place in yeah. the business and, and with just our role in it. We felt good about it. Yeah. Um, and, and, and then things went to hell. <laughs> <clears throat> no, nothing, nothing that we could have controlled, of course. Yeah, yeah global pandemic. Um, have you ever seen Gangs from New York? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. You don't like it? I know. It's one of my favorite movies. Oh, okay. But uh, I have horrible taste. Here. Yeah. But the thing I... A lot of people love that movie. The it's thing okay. I enjoy about that movie is that... Is the very end of it. When it's finally this big battle. And there's this shit that is outside of their control. That just fucks everything up, mm-hmm. basically. Like, all the bombs start coming in. Um, it's It sort of feels like this is what happened to us. We Everything was going so well in our little world and this huge thing you know bigger than us came and just fucked everything up i also felt like there was another there was another promotion in town that we don't really talk about a whole lot on this program though we coexisted with them peacefully for many years and i'm talking of course of party world wrestling uh we've we've kind of talked about how dan the man and uh luigi primo emanated from this place and of course we quite routinely saw people uh who were regulars at pr uh, pwr like behind the scenes or played characters at our shows they were they came to support their brethren who you know crossed over and uh you know when you look at the birth of how much shit was going on in our town wrestling wise and how many options people had you know i felt i felt that we'd really kind of found our our place you know um but yeah you know aaw acw wrestle circus gcw pwr you know and pwr was still going strong at this point yet it i felt like we had reached a really strong apex of a working relationship with those guys. And of course you had, <clears throat> is it 
is it okay to mention? I think it's okay to mention at this point. Uh, you had, you know, uh, Jojo was over there actually training a lot of the guys, and yeah. you saw a lot of them starting to branch out and actually move into the world of professional wrestling as we know it, uh, which which was a really good feeling. I think there was definitely a period where you there was a, there's a division between our companies amongst certain people who feel like what PWR does is kind of like this high art, and I definitely think of it as high art, but they look at us kind of snobbishly which is really weird um but i felt like we were all starting to kind of reach out together to, to each other and, and move forward um i just felt like we had kind of reached this 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 garden of earthly delight where we were all getting along and i i uh i'm 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 hoping that we we were even getting along with acw at this point we were kind of getting along with acw way, like, yeah 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 i mean we weren't having brunch, no. but, uh, yeah. yeah, there wasn't like the burning hatred that there had been previously where we were saying bad things about each other or, or what have you. Um, but yeah, anyway, we come back from intermission on this card. Previously, we saw the return of Matthew Palmer, uh, against Will Alday and what was sort of a dream match for me, uh. We had Steve Arino defeating Super Academia in a, gaunt a gauntlet match. Uh, Dmitry Alexandrov had been uh, crowned the new Lawless Darkness uh, for 2020. Uh, and we saw the return of the Great Depression. And of course, we had Dalton and Moonshine against Indie Dream Team, Mance Warner and Nate Webb, which was just, it, it made this so, so, so child, childlike happy. Um, <laughs> So the the first part of the card was, it felt smooth. It felt good. Uh, it was it was a lot of fun. Um, and then of course we have intermission where we clean up the debris <laughs> of the uh, Web and yeah. Warner so, uh, affair. So I will say, um, and maybe I should have put my foot down more during this time, but the wild crowd brawls you will probably see less of when we come back for various reasons. What are, what are those reasons? Uh, number one, <clears throat> chairs are expensive. <laughs> I don't think there's a need. For, uh, so that's yeah. an interesting thing. I don't think I would do much of a crowd brawling thing if yeah. we were to move to an iPay-per-view structure that didn't have a crowd. I, I don't. Well, true, there. Yeah. I, I'm saying like. When crowds do when, return. When crowds do return. You'll probably see less of that because of just the amount that the discussion actually costs. We don't. Well, that's the thing is we really kind of kept that limited anyway. I think yeah. and one of the things that we have before the shows is a pre- show meeting where we go over outcomes and who's doing what and everybody in the locker room is generally encouraged to be there um and one of the things that we used to do was put the kibosh on a lot of out of the ring brawling and it wasn't for me necessarily about saving chairs though that was you know obviously a, a vested interest yeah but it was about making sure that not every fucking match had brawling outside of the yeah. ring because it becomes it becomes like passe yeah so it's, it's also it's very once a show is cool yeah but when it happens all the time you're paying for a seat and then the action moves away from where you can see it yeah i don't think that's cool i, I don't know i think i think that's okay to for me personally because it it's part of the live flavor especially yeah. when you have something where you have so much chaos yeah, I think and then one half of the building has this and one half of the building has that and personally i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing because it gives people an opportunity to want to go back and actually see what was going on they you know they'll go to high spots and check out the show yeah, you know true but i again right in um in moderation right 
not, yeah, but yeah. you don't want the entire card to be that way. Absolutely not. Um, anyway, we we come back from uh, we come back from intermission with with kind of an interesting match. It's a Zach Taylor uh, and ACH Alex Zane and Chandler Hopkins. Um, at this point, uh, uh, Albert had been away for just a bit. It, Albert had not been communicating with us going into the show. Uh-uh. I had the only way I knew he was going to be there was when he walked through the door. Well, we kind of also need to to emphasize what was going on with him. The oh, context yeah. of him coming back here is interesting. This was shortly after he had uh, exited NXT in a rather fiery yeah. uh, fashion. Um, yeah, um, was granted his release outright. No, no because. Um, they had released a T-shirt that it was very clearly based on blackface. Very Jim Crowy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really audacious. Really shocking that that even got as far as it did without anybody looking at it and going, "Yo, what the fuck?" Yeah. You know, smiles for miles. Uh, I believe was the catchphrase. Yeah, um, I, I think it just it was just miles and white outlined. With red lips, absolutely, absolutely. But it was based on that, yeah, on that, uh, on that catchphrase. I think so, yeah. Which was "smiles for miles" is yeah. what is what the commentators would say, and then they, yeah, it basically had the big red lips and the white teeth, and it was on black, and it looked real bad. Yeah. Um, so I, I think we've covered <laughs> how close I am with Albert. Yeah, right. For, pretty close. I have never seen one of his matches there. Really, I've never. Yeah. I just, um, I didn't watch a lot of his Ring of Honor stuff either, because I felt like his Ring of Honor stuff didn't feel like him to me. No, Ring of Honor, you know, this will probably catch me some heat, but Ring of Honor, I always thought, kind of had a really weird way of handling wrestlers of color. I felt like if they had two black guys, they either had two black guys wrestling against each other or they had like, oh, we have two black guys, let's make them the black guy tag team. Yeah. And I felt like that's kind of what they did with Albert there. It just they had no idea what to do with him. Like when this is the thing I've always been proud of. We never look at somebody's color or ethnicity. We just look at their ability. I think I think Ring of Honor maybe had um had a bad way of looking at 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 how they booked people. They looked at their overall appearance and they booked based on that rather than just looking at the ability of the performer. Um, I was, I was on a walk this morning where we were discussing Albert as, as a once in a generation talent. I think, I think I, I can't emphasize enough how incredible Albert is as a talent. He's, he's a genetic freak. Um, he was not trained in a very conventional fashion, I think it's fair to say. Oh, yeah. I think a lot of the what he picked up, he learned uh, as he went along. Um, and, of course, he's been an important person in Texas because he's got a lot of experience and he is a great performer and he holds people to a higher standard, you know? Even if he's a little coarse for my taste in terms of how he gets people to uh, to step up... Um, he is a genuinely healthy person to have around, even if he annoys the piss out of me, because he does push people to do better. Um, I think, and also, I will say this. At the time that Wrestle Circus was, was a thing, um, I think that's when Albert and I kind of had the ice melt between us, because uh, he said, 
and this is still one of the greatest compliments I received was he said, he said to me like, well, you know, first of all, I got to say you lasted past the first, first two years and you're still here and you're still getting people paid. And then he said, but most of all, you really care about Texas talent. And that, that was really important to me. Tech, he really cares about this state. Yeah. He really cares about the health of the business in this state. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that he's been able to be around to some extent over the last several years, though, I hope it's I hope someday he's able to kind of move on to a better stage, a bigger stage, because he he absolutely deserves that. Um, but anyway, yeah, coming into this this show, he had been re- he kind of been MIA. I th- I don't even think we knew if he was going to be there. We kind of like yeah. we booked this match with the poss- the possibility in mind that he might not but show up. We, I was 90 percent sure this was going to be a three way. Yeah, um, I didn't even bring a pay envelope for him. Wow. Okay. I think I paid him out of my pocket that night. Um, yeah, because I, I was lit- I was very surprised when he did show up because he hadn't been responding to our messages. Hadn't he no showed something else? He had no showed some other things, and yeah. he was not responding to other messages. So I um, kind of felt like I don't know why I had no I had no doubt that he was going to show up, but I don't know why. <laughs> I don't. I just don't. I don't know why. I think it was because honestly, I think it's because you were there. Yeah. I think, and and I I. I know that his, his, you know, Zach Taylor was there and I know he had been wanting to do something. I knew that he wanted to do something with Chandler. Yeah. So I felt like even though this was a multi-man match, he was excited about rubbing elbows with some of the people that were there. But also I feel like in some way, shape or form, even though Albert will probably call himself an ACW guy, Inspire is still a pretty big chunk of home for him. Yeah. You know, it's become that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you also have Alex Zane in here, Chandler Hopkins, who's, well, he was on fire. Superstar, <laughs> you know? superstar, superstar quotient of, of uh, ability here. And you see he's he's getting dark matches yeah. now and whatnot. Like, uh, and then Alex Zane was one of the guys that got picked up by NXT until it just completely fucking 180 and uh, turned around. And then Zach Taylor, who, you know, we've been talking about that push for the last yeah. what 10 episodes. Yeah, this was kind of a full circle moment for Zach where he um he was he he gets he picks up the win here of course, so it's kind of like he actually gets he gets one up on his 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 own mentor, which is a, a pretty big moment for him and I think you know we we didn't really touch on uh what, some of the stuff in uh the Lawless Darkness match because uh, Cody was injured. In that match, you had Ethan Price as well, and they had a they had beef yeah. uh, going going uh, going into that match because uh, uh, Cody had cheated uh, to beat Ethan. He didn't show him the respect that Ethan thought he deserved, and so they were really supposed to have a big arc going through that whole match. And I think even Zach was supposed to run out and get involved somehow, but because of the way that the match wound up with Cody being taken out very early on, we didn't get to revisit that. But nevertheless, you know, uh, Cody retained his uh, his undefinable title, and this was supposed to kind of help boost Zach going into that match. And of course, Ethan is still pissed off um, about being treated like shit. Uh, but we were really building toward that uh, three-way between Cody, where now he doesn't have the lawless darkness ability. He has to really rest uh, squarely upon his pure acumen yeah and we have you know zach kind of rising up and i think i think honestly the 
the plan was to put the belt on on Zack uh, eventually, but um, the issue the issue was that neither of those three guys thought that uh, it should have gone on him. They thought it should have gone on Ethan. But I had plans to do some other stuff with Ethan. Yeah. Um, well, and this is uh, is this. The we point? can kind of map it out. I think at this point, yeah, my yeah. my plan was initially for uh, Luigi has the Inspire Pro title at this point. We were going to have Luigi and JoJo feud for a while, and then we were going to come back to JoJo and Ethan, and then Ethan was going to take the title off of JoJo, eventually. Yeah. So Ethan was Ethan was in line to become an Inspire Pro title holder. I think this is something that we should kind of do is just talk yeah, about where, where some of the titles we were were going at that point. Um, yeah. Yeah, we really. We really wanted to do that. We I saw Zach as having the undefinable. I saw Ethan as having the uh, uh, the the the, uh, the Inspire Pro title. Um, so those were two things that we were kind of moving toward. Yeah. The other kind of monkey wrench here is Ethan moves to St. Louis with Cody. Um, right around this time. Ethan is currently training with um, Davey Richards, yeah. I heard, which is yeah. phenomenal. I heard he's very happy up there. Yeah. Which, you know, good for him, man. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that also... I mean, we bring guys in from St. Louis all the time. St. Ethan Louis has to Texas is one of the biggest pipelines. Ethan has a lot of Ethan has a lot of upside to him, man. I hope I hope you know I hope to see him again and work with him again one day. Because yeah. um, I mean, that crowd still loves him. Oh, of course. I mean, you know, we I I like to think that we did right by him, even though like all those guys were always like. Ethan always seemed like terrified that I was going to drop the ball or I didn't really care much about what I was doing with them. And I always found that kind of offensive because it's like, Hey man, my, my main interest is to make sure that every fucking nook and cranny on this card is uh, value added. You know, well, what, what I've learned too is he's a very nervous guy. Like yeah. even to this point to today, I saw him at a show and I was like, Oh, I thought that was always part of the character, you know? Yeah. But there's, there's a level of that nervousness mm -hmm. uh, that is just Ethan. Uh, well, yeah, Zach goes up, uh, has kind of a moment with his mentor, you know. I don't think we know where we're going with Albert at this point because I don't think we know what what yeah. frame of mind he's in yeah. or, or where, like, you know. Yeah, there was already talk of him just stepping away from wrestling at this point. Yeah, he did talk about, I think he even made a post saying he's like, fuck this, I'm retiring. I think yeah. he even made that post before, before. this show. Yeah. But I, I still like, I still had this this ultimate optimism that I was going to see him and I was going to hear his loud ass voice in the back. <laughs> or like, I, I had this feeling like, oh man, I know that he's going to talk shit during the opening meeting. <laughs> <laughs> I just had a feeling like he was going to show up. Um Anyway, uh, after this, we have uh, what has become a tradition at uh, Ecstasy of Gold, which is a battle at the Gates of Ecstasy, which is a battle royal, which ensures you a title shot at the next Ecstasy of Gold a year away. The idea of giving that opportunity to somebody is to see how someone, when they win it, like how that forms their trajectory as a performer, knowing that they have this big opportunity uh, going forward. And uh, we have we have a fun. This is a fun match, man. We yep. have um we have uh, Ashton Jacobs and T Ray, uh, Chris Cruz, whom we just talked about, um, Fuego de Sol, who we've seen on <laughs> e AEW as of recently. A contracted uh, performer on AEW. Yeah, uh, yeah, who, yeah. Just recently lost to Cardamiro. Jenna <laughs> uh, uh, Lynn was here. Uh, then we also had Johnny Cruz. Uh, Jordan Lennox was back. 
uh, after an extended break uh, yeah. due to some health stuff. He had, I think he had shoulder, shoulder, surgery, shoulder right? surgery, right? Yeah. So Jordan was back. Uh, Jordan was actually the guy that I was going for a, going for a walk with earlier when, when I said I was talking with somebody about ACH. Um, of course, Jordan is right now training and getting back into shape uh, at AAPW, and uh, Albert has uh, reemerged and is training folks there. And, and from what I've heard. Uh, has been all smiles, which is great to hear. Um, I want nothing but success for that guy. Of course, Kiefer Bartek is here. Uh, Warren J and Zach Zilla are, are here, typically a tag team. Cam Cole. And uh, this may also be the last time where we worked with Massive before yeah. he passed away. Um, and then uh, the unidentified member here is Corvus. Who, oh, who was, yeah. Uh, <laughs> who is the... Um, he, he is family of Super Porky and Shocker. He's a young man from San Antonio. He was actually in, in 2007, he was in my pro wrestling uh, class that I was in. Um, that obviously did not lead to me becoming a pro I, wrestler. I love Corvus. <laughs> Corvus is a great guy. Yeah. He's just great to have around. Sweet, I love that guy. Sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. But yeah, it, um, it, it was... Uh, we started training together and here I am I've got a promotion and I've never used the guy so like we finally got a spot where it was like okay let's get Corvus in this battle royal so yeah and he did great here man he has a he has a cool history too yeah he's a great guy I love him I, I would not mind seeing him around uh, when we yeah. get up and running again was was part of the the infamous uh, Spanish Oaks Lucha show <laughs> as well. Oh, yes, so. yes, yes. <laughs> that was a fun episode. Uh, what a weird time. Um, okay, so uh, Cam, Cam Cole actually goes uh, up on everybody in this fucking mess. Uh, and it, the writing is on the wall for me at this point. I really love Cam, uh, and I, I had some big plans for him going forward. The, the um, cool in general, right? Yeah. Is, uh, we have a lot of big plans. Yeah, yeah. Cam Cam was a guy that I really wanted to do something big with. Uh, I, I was still kind of mapping out what was going to happen because the way that the Ricky title situation uh, played out had left me with some, some, some open ends, let's just say. But we had some, some plans to do some really big things with Cam. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and say this. Um, not to bury the guy, but just to kind of talk about what was going on here. Um, Massive had some demons, and I think it was really apparent here. And I remember when he walked in, this was probably one of two occasions. uh, The time before, of course, was not a pleasant dealing. And I always wanted to try and support the guy, but when he came in and he heard he was not going over in this battle royal, he was angry. And he was legitimately, like, you could see his attitude just sucked. Like, when he's eliminated, he's just kind of like, just, I think yeah. the, 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 I think the annoyance is palpable and it's legitimate. And, um, you know, there were clearly some substance abuse issues uh, occurring with him. Yeah. Um, he had also done some really dumb things like... Uh, he was doing stuff. He did something at Mission Pro, I believe, around this time where I had to actually have a talk with him. And this was the show that I had to have the talk with him about it at. And he was not happy with me. Um, so I'm not a big fan of wrestlers putting their hands on fans. I don't think any promoter is. And uh, he had 
uh, a friend that he traveled with who he had planted in the crowd at Mission Pro, and he beat the shit out of the guy. And uh, that there was a big amount of hoopla over this where, oh, Massive fucking lost his mind and beat the shit out of a fan, you know? And um, I get that it created buzz, but I also think it creates a really unhealthy dynamic with the crowd when they think that somebody in the crowd can get involved with what's going on in the ring. But also, Massive didn't tell anybody at the show that he was going to do this. He didn't let anybody... And he worked the fucking locker room, and he worked Rosa, and he worked Brian, and it's like, that's you don't do that shit. Yeah. And I remember Rosa, uh, Thunder Rosa, uh, and her husband Brian, who run uh, Mission Pro, uh, talked to me about uh, that. And so I had to pull him aside going into this because the friend was there. And I said, hey, man, you can't do shit like that. And if you do that with me, uh, you'll never come back. And he was upset. And then he said, so what are we doing? And I said, Cam Cole up. And he said, he, he was just like, oh, whatever. You know, he was just not in a good yeah. frame of mind. I think this was also a show where, like, after his match, he just grabbed his envelope and left. Um, not typical. Which is depressing. Yeah. But, you know. It, that was my last interaction with him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Cam Cole up. Big plans for him. Uh Still have big plans for him. Uh, and this leads us to the Inspire Pro uh, title three-way match where champion Luigi Primo, who won the title at the last show to much fanfare, goes up against Ryan Davidson and Veda Scott. Yeah, this, this was supposed to be uh, Davidson and Allie Cat. Uh, Veda was originally in the Battle Royal, but Allie uh, sliced her arm open the night before wrestling Nick Gage. This also, <laughs> I think, led that incident where Ali bled all over the venue, I also think gravely impacted our relationship with the Blue Genie. Yeah. Uh, we uh, were told after a certain point that they did not want to have anything to do with us. And I honestly believe it was because Ali Cat was cut open. And I had to have a long talk with the management that night, too. And they said, like, oh, there's people really hurting each other last night. And I said, yeah, I know, but that wasn't our show. Yeah. That's the thing is like when a company goes into your space and and they do something dumb, people don't look at the at at the the name of the company. They just look at pro wrestling as being it's just wrestling. Stupid. Well, you, know? and you had Slack and those guys bleeding all over each other too. I yeah, mean, it was just a, an entire night. I, of it. I think really though, from what I gleaned, that uh, that the stuff that that GCW did kind of cost us the venue. I think is that fair to say? Yeah, because that's that's what I was told. So yeah, that's why we lost our venue and uh even if the pandemic had uh, not happened we would not have been back at blue genie because of those uh instances where um the venue felt really uncomfortable with uh, the violence and the blood and the destruction um but that that wasn't us you know but uh yeah. anyway yeah veda veda's a veda's an interesting character veda is an incredible human being with an insane background she just has such a a unique story and um we have a weird relationship with her where i really wanted to eventually give her something to do that would have been ongoing and dramatic and be a really cool storyline because veda had reached this point i think in her career where like she was like great as a wrestler and really wanted to get out and show people what she could do <clears throat> and uh stroud as the guy who kind of garroted uh, her involvement in the company never really gave her an opportunity to work uh the style or uh, at the caliber that she could it was always weird, gimmicky BS. Yeah. yeah. And Veda, is a, Veda, I think one of the things that prohibited me from doing anything bigger with her was that she was always busy. 
you know she's always, like she was flying everywhere europe you know canada like she was always everywhere so it was hard to kind of nail her down and i think in order for me to um work with somebody in the way that she wanted to work with us uh, I, re I, I required kind of like consistency in terms of availability but it just never worked but I, I have Veda's amazing I still don't understand why Veda isn't part of the uh, AEW wrestling uh, the commentary team yeah. regularly I think I think she smokes um, a lot she smokes people like she's she's amazing on the mic um, as a commentator but yeah Luigi goes up here I don't really know I think we're still trying to figure out like yeah, I can I can speak to this. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we uh, long term is Luigi versus JoJo. Again. Yeah, but but I don't think we knew how long we wanted to. I think I don't think that we necessarily. I knew that we people would pop. Yeah, but I didn't necessarily know how long I wanted to keep the belt on Luigi at this point. Yeah, and well, and this is also we're in the next match we're going to talk about. We we have the opportunity to do JoJo versus Nick Gage, which is yeah. Something that we set up the last time, the last Exit of Gold, actually. Um, yeah. When Nick was there. So it was our chance to do that. So yeah, JoJo, JoJo was kind of his. We have to, we have to remind school, people. Right? We have to remind people. JoJo interfered in the Nick Gage match where MJF and Nick and Nick Gage wrestled. Yeah. So this was kind of a callback to that because Nikki had said, I'm going to come back and I'm going to mess up that little creep. And yeah. this is basically Nick is back to collect. Well, and, and this really drives into part of the issue with us in GCW, right? Um, that was the match we asked. You know, we were like, look, we, we need to do something with JoJo and Nikki. And uh, it was just no. You know, it was yeah. straight shot down. Um, so that that's where that wasn't going to work. Like, we couldn't get any of the beats we needed in. Yeah. So, but yeah, this, this good little... Um, well, how did this happen then? If he said no, because I don't think I was privy to that dialogue. No, no, on there, when it was going to be a joint show. Oh, right? okay. Remember, I'm they sorry. didn't want to do any of the, the Inspire Yeah, you're right. Matches. Okay, I'm, yeah, no, yeah, they didn't want to acknowledge our continuity yeah. or our, our, like, guys at all. Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, and you know what, I can kind of agree with that to some extent. I, I didn't really have a huge problem with that. But, um, yeah, this is, this was a really, this was not as crazy as I was kind of hoping it would be. I felt like maybe there was a little bit of trepidation on JoJo's part. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I sort of liked the fact that the expectation was Nikki was going to go light tubes and crazy. Yeah. And we wrestled. It was a lot of chain. It was, it was good. The match was good. The match was good, but I really I really wanted to see JoJo go kind of ape shit because I wanted him to show a part of himself that the crowd was not familiar with. I think everybody knows JoJo can wrestle. Yeah. But I really wanted to see him keep up with this guy and beat him at his own game. And it was really important. I felt to show that. But, you know, you can tell JoJo whatever you want. And he's going to do what he wants to do, Free you know? Spirit, JoJo. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, this was a good match. And, and Nick Nick surprised me here, you know? <laughs> well, that's the fun thing is, like, yeah. all he does is the deathmatch stuff. So that's all people see. Yeah, it's kind of it's like the same thing with uh, Masada. Yeah. You know, Masada has the skewer. He's known for the skewers. He's known for certain visuals. But Masada can chain like a motherfucker, yeah. you know? And he's going to get that chain in the first fucking five minutes, whether yeah. you like it or not. Absolutely. So. Um. Anyway, uh, yeah, J-Siri is up, you know, uh, 
It was good to be around Nick. I love Nikki. Nikki's got kind of like a, a, a perpetual game face, but he is such a sweetheart. Yeah, it's it's the content that changes. The yeah. delivery never changes. It's yeah. always the same delivery. Yeah. You know, but uh, it, it, it gives me that like Eddie Kingston vibe. He's, he's a yeah. genuine person. I, I remember like when I saw him, I realized how much I liked him when I saw Nikki walk in and I'm like, Nikki, <laughs> like that. And that was my that was my uh, response. And he was like, hey. What's up? Good to see you. <laughs> but no, he was he was great here. Um, uh, and of course, this leads us to um, kind of an elephant in the room. I, you know, I mean, I think this was a great opportunity. Um, Ricky was Ricky was moving on to NWA at this point, and uh, they were doing that carny shit where they were starting to control bookings and really driving up the premium for a lot of the guys yeah. who were on power, which I don't think was justified because they didn't quite have what I thought was a suitable uh, exposure or like promotion. It was a YouTube show. Yeah, I mean, was, highly successful on YouTube. Yeah, it's gotten all this shit now that they've done the paywall shit. Yeah. Like, highly successful on youtube it was it was successful but i don't think it it was successful enough to uh demand the money for the performers that they had i didn't think i didn't uh, that's not to say that guys like ricky aren't worth the world but there's still an economical uh edge to what you do where you can't just you can't you can't you know it felt like it felt it felt real corny to me yeah there's there's a weird catch 22 for me um the driving up the price i thought was lame but like there's also enough shitty fucking promote and shady promoters out there. Like not to say a promotion doing this, but somebody looking after the interest of the wrestlers yeah. and going, okay, this is the fee. I need to make sure that you have this, this and this covered. And then having enough wrestlers underneath their umbrella that shady promoters aren't going to fuck with them because then they lose out on the chance to book yeah. a large profile. I think there's something there. It's just the weird, like, okay, now we're gonna we're gonna multiply their their rate by three. You know, yeah, that type of shit. It was it was it you know, it wasn't just a little bit, man. It was it was it was yeah. uh, substantial. Um, this match, I think, is special because we were able to basically give Ricky a farewell match that he actually really wanted. Yeah, he really wanted to work Effie. It was like one of those guys that he really wanted to work with, and um, the match is the match is great. It's a great deal of fun. Um, it has some really sweet spots. Effie was a joy to work with. Um, this brought a smile to a lot of people's faces. And of course, when Effie does get the pin, a lot of people were astounded. Yeah. A lot of people did not see this coming. So it created a moment that was very holy shit to a lot of people. Um, I think at this point, you know, I was unhappy with this, obviously, because I didn't feel like. I feel like we just kind of hot potato the, t- the title. And and I was really a fan of longer reigns, particularly with the pure prestige belt. Yeah. And I still think that the belt should have gone on Steve-O. Um, I'm, I'm going to sing that, sing that uh, till the day I die because, you know, it would have been different if the belt had been going uh, on, on Ricky from MJF. But I felt like that felt special at that point because there had been a year-long program leading up to that. And so when we just kind of like threw it on on Ricky and Ricky versus Steve-O, I felt like in a, in a larger way it diminished Steve-O. And Steve-O was going to be got a guy that was still around. And I felt like we could have really evolved some good storylines with the guy. But I also I just felt like... Ricky didn't really want to work with Steve-O and Steve-O didn't, it, it, it automatically disqualified Steve-O from a lot of opportunities and storylines within our company. 
Um, but I think the idea here was to really do s- several shows with Effie that culminated in Steve-O yeah. and Effie and Steve-O getting the belt. Well, Steve had mentioned the, um, he didn't use the term meme wrestler. I, I gave that to him to explain it. But he had basically explained, like, he sees all these guys doing goofy shit that are, are getting over and he's working, he's working his ass off. There was mm-hmm. a weird, like, throwaway line. Um, and I thought Effie was a good example of somebody that had a, a, a wild and over the top gimmick, but that also worked his ass off. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, th- I thought there was good dichotomy there and we can break down like Effie was supposed to wrestle Dalton. And a lot of people seem to think that like we were putting the belt on Dalton there. Like it was a mm-hmm. quick change. Um, but no, that was never the case. Uh, Effie would have beat Dalton in Tampa and then we would have come back and eventually he would have dropped it. To we, yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, I wasn't really involved with any of the Tampa shit anyway, but I think, uh, I think, yeah, I mean, this is a, this was a great show is very successful, had a great vibe. We were bummed out to hear that we would not be welcome back at blue genie. And of course we were back on the venue search, but at this time there are also things evolving in the world. Uh, the pandemic, I am uh, for, for a lot of people don't know this about me. Um, but, uh, I, I dabble in the world of screenwriting and I had been on a project that was in development for nearly a decade with some fairly high profile people in Beijing. And at this point in time, I was hearing rumblings of this virus and I was getting photos from people over in major cities over in uh, mainland China showing ghost towns. And I'm talking about big cities big metropolises and they were shutting down theaters and they were canceling tons of stuff and people were being ordered to stay home. It was martial law. And in the back of my head, I'm just kind of going, fuck, if this hits here, we're dead. And my thought was that no one's going to comply with anything here just because that's how people are. Even beforehand, I knew that people were stupid, selfish sacks of shit. So I knew that if this came over here, it would not be uh, we wouldn't be able to uh, effectively contain it. Also, we had a complete fucking moron in the White House. I'm not, you know, saying I'm I am super high on Joe Biden. But like, you know. Yeah. When when you have somebody that's hanging out with Alex Jones, you know that 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 a, a looming pandemic is gonna is gonna be played like a fucking harp by that crowd. Um, but anyway, you know we were still kind of like moving forward, um, even though I kind of saw this uh, growing dot on the horizon. Um, but uh, so. You were working on moving moving toward like WrestleMania weekend type stuff. You had some ideas. But at the same time, this is and this is something we have to really address because um this was basically the last event that we were planning that just never happened. Yeah. And we were actually I was approached by Joey Ryan uh around this time uh, about putting together an event for David Arquette. And David Arquette, uh, uh, his his wife, who's also, I believe, his manager, and who, who had also filmed the documentary, You Can't Kill David Arquette, yeah. were planning to premiere the uh, documentary here at South by Southwest in March. And they had asked us, uh, like, hey, w- would you would you be interested in putting the event together? And I was talking with uh, uh, David's wife, and I was talking with other wrestlers and I was talking with people uh, with respect to a venue search 
And this was messy right out of the gate. So um, we have to address something that happened at the last show, too. That oh, kind of bleeds into this. Okay. Uh, the day before the last show, uh, TJ removed his name from the LLC and basically left the company. Yeah. And in, in, um, in a, you know, in his previous role, like he was paying for quite a bit the chairs, the. Um, Which I will I think always we were be. For the venue. I mean, I was always endlessly grateful toward what? him, but he seemed yeah. pretty frustrated with things at this point. Yeah, that was so, my that was my perception. So but. he he had removed himself from the company at at this point. So at this point, it's just based. It's me and you, but it's basically you working on this. Yeah. Because um, there's, I mean, honestly, there's not much I can add and, until we get, you know, so down the road. The, the first things first, I'm, I'm starting to put components together and I make the brilliant chess move of reserving the one wrestling ring that yes. typically is utilized by most of the companies in texas which yeah. is jack armstrong's ring because the ring is the most in my opinion important and clutch piece because if somebody else is doing something they're going to jump on it yeah. but the first thing i did when joey called me was i called I, I got off the phone and i called jack and said please put a hold on this this and this date and i will narrow it down when i get it yeah okay because i'm waiting to hear back on when they will premiere the documentary and uh whatever show that we wind up running is supposed to be the after party yeah and of course my job is to find a uh, i i also this is this is the fascinating part about this i don't know where the fuck they're gonna show the movie yeah it could be way down south at south lamar it could be in midtown it could be up north at like uh afs the you know marquesa where we formerly ran it could be in a number of different locations, and they want specifically uh, their crowd to be able to walk over from where the premiere is. So I've got these dates on hold, and I uh, have gone internally <laughs> into the South by Southwest connections that I have and found out that they have narrowed it down to uh, a several, several different venues. And uh, it is at this point that... Um, I go ahead and I hit up the people at Mohawk because I hear it's going to be the stateside uh, theater at Paramount next to Paramount. Wasn't there a venue before Mohawk? No, there wasn't. There was okay. there was a possibility of us either running out of a gym. There was a possibility of us like needing to find something midtown. And then there was like the possibility of us, hey, if you're going to do AFS, can we just run the yeah. main room? That's what it was. It was like basically me trying to like cover every fucking base with every fucking date. I didn't know the date. I didn't know the venue. So this is what I'm doing. And at this point, um, I contact the people at Mohawk and the people at Mohawk are like, sorry, bro, we've already got this covered. ACW is running the show. You may have forgotten about that. Yeah, I do. I do. Yeah, yeah. So basically, and so I go like, I go back to Joey and I go, hey, man, um, you know, I've got stuff going on in my life right now. Um, <laughs> at this point, my club is also collapsing yeah. around me. My business of, uh, you know, so many years is uh, has collapsed and I'm dealing with a lot of fallout. I'm dealing with some marital strife. So, like, trying to nail down this, the logistics on this show... While it's a great opportunity for me, it's something that I don't want to do if I don't have to do it. And Joey is basically flabbergasted. He's like, what? ACW? No. And so Joey Joey comes back to me after talking to Arquette's wife and says, uh, yeah, no, everything's cool, man. You're handling the show. And Mohawk calls me 
and apologizes and says, yeah, we're really sorry. We got confused. Um, and I believe there was some animosity that developed because we, I, yeah, you know, see, and then Darren was pissed about this. Yeah. When, well, when I heard there was, I wanted to reach out. Right. <laughs> so I think the week that I heard at Mohawk, <laughs> I was also basically bedridden because mm-hmm. uh, I had thrown my back out. I think I even asked you to reach out to Darren. Yeah. And but you were just like not, not incapable. You were I was, not capable. I was pretty out of it for about a whole week. And folks, let me be real here. Um, I'm going to say this. I actually did send Darren an email yeah. prior to this, which he totally fucking no sold. Ignored. He ignored it. Yeah. And and this is this just probably just went on the. I think he had me blocked yeah. or something. But like, I would send him emails or I would send him like anything I could to kind of get in touch with him. And I definitely wanted his blessing. This wasn't a case yeah. where we like we were coming to fuck shit up for him this was just a case where we were presented with an opportunity and i really wanted to basically not necessarily run in the space but just do the event yeah you know and i I thought it would have been positive anyway honestly us going into that space and doing that event honestly would have benefited his reputation and his company's reputation more because nobody's gonna go oh inspire's taking over they're just gonna go oh that's that rad wrestling show that happened at that venue and this is the company that typically calls it home you know it it, it wouldn't have hurt his business at all a lot of people took it as us running the building yeah um so i think i think it got announced and i i shot a message over to him to basically be like hey why don't y'all come hang out it's gonna be a a good time uh i apologize that i didn't send this earlier but this is what was going on and basically got the don't ever talk to me again go fuck yourself yeah and i've taken that advice yeah um, from multiple and that's unfortunate because like i feel like we could have done a lot of really good shit together but also like i don't really want to i mean honestly well, at the, this point no. well i mean you know let's let's be real darren did did uh kind of wind up on a patch of scorched earth during the whole call out movement yeah um and you can make whatever Which, that when, when of, you of that the, you want when you do that exact same thing three times it's who you are it's not yeah I, I, yeah like i tiptoe around that a lot but here's the deal i watched it happen when i was there mm-hmm. right um i watched it happen with the girl that basically destroyed that company and well the girl didn't do it yeah him his interaction with her did that and uh, I mean, a lot of those same things are happening with his current relationship. So I'm sorry, like that's who you are. Um, I I want no part of it. Uh, well, I always sort of I just wanted him to come see a show, and see, hey, this is uh, this is what the knowledge that I gained um, turned into, right? Um, I always kind of told him like um, like ACW is his kid. Will inspire is sort of his grandchild in a weird way. Oh, don't you know? you fuck like, you, man. But, anyway, you know it is in a weird way. No, for yeah, I mean you have to be the stepmom here or the the. Um, there is right? none of his DNA in this company. Uh, the fact yeah. he is only tangentially like related to the company through and me. through you, yeah. but that doesn't. It's like it's like I don't want to validate him to that extent because yes, it exists, but it exists because he created a void in professional wrestling that needed to be filled. And while he defined that void, I don't think that makes him the stepdad or the grandpa or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is he influenced me in a way, whether I like it or not. I went to his shows. He influenced me too. So you know, it would have been nice to come and instead of view us as like this this evil fucking bad guy thing, 
come and go, oh, well, fuck, by, by one way or another, here's this cool thing. And just to, to, instead of talking shit on us from across the street, to actually see what we were. Yeah. Um, well, I invited him to shows countless he, he times. He never showed up. Yeah. Um, I even tried to book him. At, at this point, fuck him. Yeah. You know, that's what I'm really good Well, at. now you have to say fuck him. Yeah. But, you know. But, I mean, we tried. We yeah. tried for, what, six fucking years, right? Yeah. Fuck him. So. But anyway, the saga of this South by Southwest show is not over yet. Um this is so. You mentioned the the that TJ had removed his name from the LLC, uh, and it, it's at this point where I hear uh, from somebody else that's involved in the dialogues that someone else has already rented a venue across town. Uh, at this point, I knew that they were going to be at the Stateside Theater, which is literally only like two blocks away from the Mohawk. Okay. Stateside Theater is, uh, is, you know, it's it's on uh, it's on Congress, and uh, Mohawk is on Red River. So it's like just like they would just base people would have had to have walked like two blocks down. It was it was super super close. It was it was ideal. The other space that I guess was being looked at was uh, was like the sub theater at La Zona Rosa, or maybe it was La Zona Rosa proper. It was. I- it was, it you was a, could tell me the name and I wouldn't know. It was a huge space with these big LED boards and it cost out the ass. And I found out at that point that TJ had basically put a hold on the space. But the thing was that I made the power move of reserving the fucking ring. <laughs> so no one could do anything anyway because that's the fucking ring that everybody uses. But at that point, I guess TJ reaches out to me and he's like, hey, maybe we should join forces on this. And so we started to kind of like discuss like maybe we should do this versus this. And I said, yeah, but the Mohawk thing is going to be super cheap. I think it's going to be more punk rock. You know, uh, David Arquette has brands of alcohol. Maybe they could do a, they could do something there with, you know, the bar manager, the GM. I think it'll be a lot more flexible. I think it'll just be a lot more loose. And also this other venue that you're looking at is going to cost a fuck ton. And I think that that was really what the deciding factor was. But it was really weird to have TJ, whom I think really resented me uh, for whatever reasons. I think he resented Inspire after a certain point. Um, it was weird to have him in the mix kind of competing with me at a certain point. I, I was endlessly frustrated with the situation yeah. because I kept hearing like I kept I was like doing all this work and I'm like, I don't want to fucking do this if you guys are going to keep doing this to me. Yeah. Just I got other shit going on in my life, you know, but um, all of this was to be for not even though we nailed down the venue. We began to nail down the card. That was a whole other nightmare unto itself because our kit didn't want to wrestle yeah. a solo match. He wanted to wrestle uh, and Effie was going to be involved. That was another thing. Initially, we wanted to do Arquette versus Effie, but David wanted to kind of take it easy and do a tag match and have fun. And I said, okay, but it still involved Effie. It was it was David and who was it? It was David and who? I don't remember. It was David and somebody, maybe RJ City. Yeah, I think so. Against Effie and Joey, maybe. 
That's so, some, so, yeah. Some form of those four. Yeah, it, that, it was a, it was a tag match. It would have been more of an exhibition style show, but we had, you know, they really wanted to have luchadors. They wanted to have certain types of wrestlers. They wanted to have certain types of matches involved, yeah. and it was really not a big card. I think it might have been total four matches yeah. or something. Yeah, that's but we were st- we were still approaching it in much the same way that we would approach one of our shows, which is just ultimately quality, quality, quality. And we were going to try and put together the craziest most bonkers spot ridden mess that we could. Yeah. I think we, we got Ricky Starks involved. Uh I think that was the first time we booked him through the NWA. Yeah. Um, which I also had him on that the WrestleMania show. They were a pain in the ass on us with, with us yes, on this though. They they were not getting back with us immediately. Marine was cool, but the rest of them yeah. sucked. But um, anyway, ASF would have debuted that. AF, too, uh, yeah, yeah. So would Pistolero. That's right. Um, yeah. So what what happened was, um, I'm watching all the pandemic stuff start to ramp up, and I'm like, fuck, okay. And then I see the bombshell that South by Southwest has been canceled. And of course, there are some people who still held their events and still went ahead and did whatever. But I then got an email from David's wife, which said, yeah, I guess we're not coming. I'm terribly sorry. Let's revisit working together at some other date. But we're canceling the premiere and we're canceling the party. We were very sorry. And so... The event, which actually had a poster and all that, and yeah. was being promoted, was dead. Yeah, um, which was awful. And of course, there were still some rumblings going on. I mean, like you know, like our home was gone. We had lost Blue Genie due to the the the, the GCW bloodletting. So, even if even if we had found another home with the pandemic ramping up, it was clear to me the writing was on the wall. There's just we weren't going to run anything with the crowd. And then. You and then like you, you had been involved. I think you're going to have to talk a little bit about the Florida mania stuff, um, which had kind yeah. of a whole dramatic life of its own. Yeah. So well, so was this the mania where TJ was trying to do some stuff with with AEW? Or was uh, it the previous he was, year? He, no, he uh, the Super Bowl was in Tampa uh, prior to this. Okay. And he or Miami or something, and he was trying to do another Super Bowl show. Uh, with AEW, mm-hmm. and um, basically they claim that they didn't know who the hell he was, and I think sent him a cease and desist. Which is bullshit because I saw communication between yeah. TJ and the Bucks. Like yeah. they had actually told him, "Yeah, go for it. Find a spot. If you can find something, go for it." I saw that. Yeah. Um, but um, then they, yeah, they basically reacted real rigidly and. Well, that that news that the the EVPs aren't necessarily EVPs may have something to do. With what's that. what's that? Oh yeah, all the all the EVPs are are basically a name only. Yeah, Tony Khan's basically in charge of everything. Yeah, wrestling wise. Um, so I think he he was going to run a show with Impact, but it would be like he would get five or six wrestlers on, and then it would just be an Impact show. Yeah, and they do those like at the brewery shows all the time down in San Antonio and they're I mean I don't know how you sell that show as anything but a fucking impact house show um so he he decided against it um and I think what he put all his eggs in the basket of is he was going to present a wrestling fashion show at the collective so I think I don't know for sure but I think he got the space that he needed for the fashion show as part of our fucking us paying for a spot on the collective. Yeah. Um, which is whatever. <laughs> um, 
I was a little annoyed at the time, but whatever. Um, so here's the deal. Around around the time South By gets canceled. And, like, South By is a big deal for us. Yeah. Like, that's a... Even though it's it's like a pop-up show, like, to be involved with that in Austin. And, and we had actually done shows previously that happened on the, the Sunday after South By ends that were actually yeah. pretty successful. Um, but... But to be involved with South by, I thought was pretty cool. Oh I'm yeah, sure that was a big deal for you too. Yeah, right? yeah, it was a big deal. Like so, that's taken away. Um, around that same time, we know Tampa's not going to happen, but the mayor of Tampa refuses to to basically put out a state of emergency and cancel events. So it's basically this big showdown. You know, at this point, we know like the NBA has canceled their season. South by is canceled. Like, major things are being canceled. We know that WrestleMania weekend does not need to happen, right? But we're basically stuck in this this fucking standoff with the mayor of Tampa that they need to cancel the event before we can start recouping uh, money for deposits and that. Yeah. So, basically, it goes down to the wire. I want to say it's, like, two weeks before the show's supposed to happen, mm-hmm. before they officially... Uh, put a lockdown on. Um, so at that point, I'm able to at least recoup all my my travel expenses. Yeah. I think I ate I ate the plane ticket for Ricky Starks because I had I had purchased that. Um, and I was never really involved with any of the Tampa yeah, shit so, anyway. Like so, I never did anything outside so of the when, company. When you're not involved, I try to just keep what we have going on. Yeah. So if you look at our stuff, we had basically two matches. And it was Effie and Dalton and Steve and uh, David Starr. So basically it was Effie and Steve being highlighted. Two guys that are both kind of canceled now. It's well, weird looking back, yeah. yeah. But you're right. So we would have come out of that with them being the ones that got the shine. So that when we did Effie and Steve, you know, it was all to build something between Effie and Steve so that we had something to play with. Um, the other match that I got, like, was, like, claim that I fucking <laughs> was booked for Inspire, but to me was the, the gem to, like, bring people into the show was Tom Lawler versus, uh, Ricky Starks, which, at this point, Ricky Starks probably wasn't returning for us because of the, the price for NWA, right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the other matches, um... I think Sabotage put on a, a match with the C-Stars. Um, Dylan put on a match that was mostly... Um, was a scramble with a, a bunch of like getting people on the card type stuff that I felt at the time. And then um, Mance versus uh, Ruben Steele. And then Lucha Brutal had a... a uh, a trios match with a lot of their guys you know it, it was that type of stuff mm-hmm. um yeah and that that was sort of the i think albert was supposed to wrestle mysterious q as well yeah but i don't know if that ever got announced um yeah that was the general idea of the card right um but yeah we um the idea was that if we all put on high-level matches, we could maybe have something that would draw attention. And for me, like, to run WrestleMania weekend's a big deal. Like, it's, um... Between the Ring of Honor shows, with the Dragon Gate Six Men, and just the history of, of what's there. And it's just sort of... It's the entire wrestling world coming together. So, to be able to, like, put out... 
your product to to that and be like this is us is, is a big deal to me so when that was pulled away too like that definitely hurt that definitely fucking hit me yeah um, and then just uh that weekend in general was supposed to be like this cool vacation for me that didn't happen um so it was sort of, sort of a big gut punch you know um but yeah we basically got stuck uh waiting the last minute to be able to recruit our recruit our um our travel cost and our promotional cost. And then also the building had a legal dispute with GCW. <laughs> so it took, we were basically, we had to wait on Tampa to actually, you know, declare there was an issue in an emergency. And then it took the building and GCW. I think they're still fighting this day, honestly. Um, but once GCW was able to run their new collective, they were able to, uh, return our deposit. So, um, I know that I know that there were a lot of other people uh, who had a spat with GCW over like uh, refunds or, yeah. or getting their deposits it, back. It was just a mess. Yeah, it was a mess. It was a nightmare. And it, I was surprised like when I, I think like a year later, I saw people still fighting over. It. I'm like, oh, Jesus, this is still a fucking thing. Um, but yeah, dude, it it sucks because, you know, we both had irons in the fire. And of course, we would have just kept pushing on no matter what. We would have found a home. But um, that's that's what occurred. Well, we were on the we were on the peak of this big wave too. Uh-huh. If we could have just rode that momentum, um, yeah, there were big things. The idea that we had this show that was actually kind of a financial success was really, really crazy. And I felt like I felt like the 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 Brutorium could have potentially been the uh, it could have been something really big. Yeah. I, I think what I was really aiming for was to start a school production house. And uh, a collective where we could have had Lucha Brutal, um, Heavy Metal, and uh, I was possibly even going to pitch to fucking ACW. Just I wanted to see, like, everybody that was in the wrestling community under one roof. It would have been phenomenal to see, like, all the logos on the wall. You know what I mean? And I mean, honestly, maybe... And I know, I know there's regional fights that will never be settled, but, like... If each city just had its building for wrestling, because building, you guys have heard throughout this entire podcast, the biggest fights we have are with buildings. Yeah. Um, if every city just had their building, and the Premier Arena in Houston, for as much shit as people give it, if there's wrestling in Houston, it happens in that building. Which is brilliant. Yeah. I wish, I mean, and I think honestly, uh, Al Linhart of Wrestle Circus was at one point moving toward creating something like that, but the finances I don't think were there. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, that's that's where we're at. Um, I have a question for you. What is your vision for Inspire moving forward? Um, I've got a I've had a lot of ideas. Yeah, same over, here. Over the pandemic, right? And I love six huge shows a year. Yeah. But I think what my real vision is is how we how we support those shows and how we make them even bigger. I th- and I think I think I I think I've got ideas. Obviously, I think at this point uh, the writing's on the wall, and I'm just going to try and move forward. Uh, we know how to run shows live, but I really want to try and do something that is more pay per view focused. Um, I personally just don't feel right running with people in a building you see it on aew you see it in wwe you see people going out and doing stuff but then i'm over here looking at that seven hundred thousand uh 
death toll number. Yeah. And I and then I see people who I know who have lost limbs because of blood clotting issues. It's like a lot of people will throw the number of, oh, this is 98% survivable, blah, 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 in your face. But it's like, but there are things that are worse than death. You have people who have emerged from this with uh, permanently scarred lungs, people with insidiously low pulse rates, and the quality of their lives has declined. It's impacted them for what will be the rest of their lives. And so it's not just about, oh, you're dead. It's about, oh, shit, I lost a leg. Oh, shit, I don't have breathing capacity that I used to have. Oh, shit, my pulse rate is going to require me to be on these meds for the rest of my life. Or, oh, shit, I can't recover from this debt. Okay, and then you also have a lot of people right now who can't get the essential medical care that they need in situations that are non-COVID related because the beds are taken up. This is a fact, ladies and gentlemen. But here we are, and I know that we plan to soldier ahead in some way, shape or form, though you won't hear us back on this program for a while. Um, I'm going to close this out by asking you um, a weird question. Top five craziest things that have happened, not just necessarily in a ring, but uh, just pertaining to this company. The weirdest <laughs> shit. What's the weirdest the shit? The weirdest shit. Yeah, I want, I want your, I want, I want top five. The, the ones that stick out of just, just weird shit. Teddy Hart. Teddy Hart is up there. Teddy Hart. Um, you know, just all together. Teddy Hart. I remember. Yes, Teddy. A lot of people don't know why I, I love, I loved Teddy Hart. I won't ever work with him again, but. I remember for me, he really rekindled my love in professional wrestling when I saw him, Jack Evans, and uh, Brian Danielson in AAA as uh, a new iteration of the Hart Foundation. And those matches were phenomenal. Um, and, you know, it was, it was a magic combination. Those guys are all in different places, obviously, at this time. I remember also... <laughs> I remember there being a discussion where I was listening to Teddy talk about he was like he was holding court at one of our shows afterward and he was talking about how if you're gonna if you're gonna pick up a prostitute make sure you make her get in the swimming pool because the chlorine will kill all the STDs <laughs> and and I just remember like listening to that and just going god this is surreal oh to be around this character yeah. Um, I would say another another one would be the Sammy Guevara quitting another company in our ring was a little weird. I think that's that that would be on my <laughs> list. Uh, NWA uh, dealings all together. Like, <clears throat> the yeah. the whole NWA uh, egg. Um, I will say actually, if I had to say one thing that was surreal, just pertaining to Teddy Hart, it wasn't necessarily the surrealness of being around him, but having the FBI call me and. Uh, fill out a deposition for Teddy. Yeah, that was real fucking surreal. So NWA. Sammy quitting, um, th- uh, uh, Teddy, Teddy and the FBI. Yeah. Um, and, and, um, the last one is, uh, is, we'll end on a positive. Just all the people. Well, there's still, there's two more. Okay. One of mine, one go of ahead, mine, one of Throw mine would have, one, one of mine would have to be the king of the black women, <sighs> uh, debacle where we had Ember, uh, call us to, voice from triple h that uh we could not do this yeah. angle that was surreal to have my yeah. to have our wings clipped but also <laughs> to hear how bad that played out made yeah. me feel awful yeah and then the, the, on the positive note just the amount of people we worked with that are now on tv with good jobs that is crazy um when i started in independent wrestling like the, it was sort of like where they are now where they're hiring these you know ex-football players and ex-shot putters and and 
bikini models and shit and like we did this shit because we loved wrestling and like maybe you would get to go to Japan for a tour or maybe you would get to be able to sell enough merch to make money off of it but like you there wasn't an AEW so like to be able to sit there and see Sammy on TV see Ricky see Keith see you know Ember Moon on TV. I like to think we've been a big part of a lot of people's yeah. journeys and, just, and hopefully provided what we always sought out to do, which was to pr- provide a, a, a healthy environment and good platform for people to do their art so that they can show it to other people and get noticed. Yeah. And also just grow. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, and hopefully there's another generation that's going to be on TV as well. But also just to, like, the guys that maybe aren't ever going to be on TV for them to be able to like hit their peak, you know. Yeah. So. Yeah, I I definitely I definitely feel a lot of pride when I see uh, who's who's made it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I feel like we've uh, I feel like we've accomplished a great deal. Even if we were to never run another show again, it's been it's been an, an honor and a pleasure, sir. Yeah. Thank you for uh, allowing me to be personally in 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 your world because honestly you were the you were the portal man i mean i'm not i i've i've continually been told over the years that i don't belong in the business so thank you for uh thank you for offending them <laughs> it's uh you know it's that deal like it it can't be done alone it'll never be able to be done alone yeah um can i shill can we throw in a, a shill at the very end here what are you gonna shill i'm, I'm gonna say this if you have a ton of money Wrestling media rights is drawing all sorts of buku money. So if you want to give us some money, <laughs> or you know someone that wants to give yes, us some money. Yes, this has been a, a 50 Come plus, on. <laughs> a 50 plus long infomercial yes. pitch. Give us some money. Give us the money. No. Yeah. No, 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 no. I'm serious. Yes. yes. Let's, let's make lots of money. <laughs> um, anyway, thanks uh, to everybody who sat through every fucking droning moment of this podcast. And uh, hopefully we'll be back again soon in some way, shape, or form, though, in a different, uh, a different bottle. Yeah, but, we, um, we like talking <clears throat> to you guys. So yeah, we do. Hopefully we keep it going. Anyway, thanks, guys. We'll miss you.